Hello and welcome to the Two Trees Podcast, where we're here to talk about angels, demons, ghosts, the pagan gods, and the weird forgotten corners of the Bible. We're here to talk about the beliefs of the ancient world and the way that they talked about the supernatural world, all to help you understand the people and the context of the Bible, to enable you to engage in a deeper level with the text of Scripture. We're here to help you get over being bored with your Bible, how to see the patterns and the literary designs that the ancient authors of Scripture used as they were led by the Holy Spirit to write the Bible. But most important of all, we are here to talk about Jesus as Deuteronomy 10.17 describes him. The Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, mighty and awesome. Today's topic is we're going to be digging into the idea of the tree of life. And it's an idea that it gets picked up and dropped a lot and typically is simply used as like a really fancy piece of shrubbery that was growing in the Garden of Eden. And once you move past the Garden of Eden story, people assume that, uh, you know, we're done with that. We don't need to think about that anymore. But the Bible uses the tree of life context all the way through the Bible. And so we're going to jump into that in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to introduce to you my very good friends, Martin Listener and Kristen Listener. Hey, all. Hey. And Nick Church. Oh, you grouch. I'm here. <laughs> uh, sitting over there. This episode is supposed to go up on Christmas Eve, so it's natural that we brought the Grinch. Then, yeah, <laughs> we're, like, we're talking about Jesus, and he's like, "Yeah, it's fine. I guess that's all right." <laughs> hey, but something that you might not, uh, or maybe you caught up on, is that no Jacob here tonight. It, yeah, Jacob is not here tonight. We have replaced him with Kristen. Yeah, well, and she brought wings. So that's what happens when you hijack the. The podcast. Yeah, Jacob's not gone. He gets a day off every once in a while, yeah. so he'll be back in the rotation. And if you liked the bonus episode where you guys, I loved it. I love that you guys dug into the application. I love that you guys were able to do what needed done. And I also know that's a weakness on my part. I want to <laughs> dig into the random details and then I'm just like, do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Like figure this out on your, I don't, I don't always jump that direction. And so having you guys who just naturally have, I think, a, a God-given gifting that pulls the conversation that way, I think really was a needed thing. So we're going to try to do that sporadically as we go through these episodes so that, that people are able to get the benefit of the application as well as the content. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it. I, I assume Nick did as well and Jacob, but there's there's something, when we do these episodes with you, John, There's just it's almost difficult for me at times because... All I'm trying to do is get to that application, get to that application. But it really helps me take a second to just absorb some of the knowledge and the information and really, you know, strengthen the backstory with a bunch of these things that you just look at from a different way. So so I really appreciate the episodes that we do, but it was kind of nice to get into our natural element a little bit mm. and have some conversations that, you know, we can really dive into. So uh, I really appreciated doing that. But uh, again, I, I would just like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas as well. This is supposed to be coming out on Christmas. Eve here, so hopefully everybody is warm and uh, safe, you know, from yeah. some of the weather that's Winter coming, storm coming this way. So uh, Yeah, I'm trying to get home to West Virginia. I don't oh know boy. if it's going to happen. We'll mm. see what the weather does. If it's nasty and blizzardish, then I will officially make the announcement and postpone Christmas. Yep. So world, please pay attention uh, to the <laughs> upcoming announcement as to what day we will be celebrating Christmas on. Uh, no, but I, I really have, have loved just, uh, I, I dug into the podcast last week and I was taking notes and really thinking about what you guys were saying. 
uh, because I, I personally, I struggle with depression and, and to be able to take a look at the stories that you guys were sharing and our friend David uh, Hereford, I think is how you pronounce his name. He posted an awesome testimony on our Facebook page. You know, I thought it was very powerful. So David, we love you. We're so glad that uh, God is using you and that you are part of our Two Trees podcast there to direct our thoughts and our minds back to Jesus. So we're super excited uh, to see uh, that uh, Facebook reach out to people and to get those stories. But you, my friend, you're the first. My friend Dale Schleinitz is on there too. So that was exciting just to be able to hear their stories and to see how God is working in their lives. Because I don't know if you and I would have met any other way. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of a a neat thing. We're brothers in in the Lord, and God has called us to to talk about the same thing. Another one, uh, Bethany, I think, put a a comment out there as well on something that Jacob posted there too. So it's it's great to hear everybody, you know, giving us some feedback on the, the Facebook page. I guess we can plug that if you don't mind real fast. Just you know, type in your search bar, Two Trees Podcast. That's it. Three words, Two Trees Podcast. It comes up. You can join that. It doesn't cost a dime to do that. Um, you can join it, follow us, and you'll see all of our posts. John does a magnificent job. Uh, he wears a few hats around here. He leads the podcast, and he's our social media guru. I just made that up, John, so congratulations. That means I can post. <laughs> promotion. On the uh, yeah, um, promotion thanks, there. Yeah. Uh, but just just search Two Trees Podcast, follow us, and you know, give us any comments you want, direct message us if you like it, it better that way. Um, or if you don't do the Facebook route, do uh, two trees podcast at gmail.com. That's the number two trees podcast at gmail.com. We will uh, love to hear from you and respond. And, and again, if you got any suggestions for us or, you know, critiques Questions. that you want, yeah. send yeah, them our way. Are we going to get any merch? Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. The beans. I, I don't know. I, I guess so. At some point. Coming soon. I'd like a coffee cup. That'd be all right, hint, too. Hint, hint. Hint, nudge, nudge. Somebody out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's no. I I assume so. Right now, we're just trying to have a podcast. Like, is anyone out there? Is anyone listening? And we know that people are. We've got listeners in over ten countries, and uh, I think that's awesome. This is way more than I thought God was going to do with this. I kind of envisioned this like you guys, your moms, and maybe like five other people in the community <laughs> would listen to this. And so, the fact that God has really moved the gospel in our attempt to further the kingdom into so many homes is, is really humbling and, and a blessing. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's let's go ahead and move then into the content of today. We're, we're going to talk about trees, and in maybe uh, a different way than most, um, I don't know, churchgoers are comfortable with. Mm. And, and I fully expect to get a, hey, tree hugger in the email because I love trees. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I grew up in West Virginia, and that is what we got, man. We got trees and we got mountains. And I grew up outside. I grew up fishing and climbing hills. And there are places where the trees are just gorgeous. What are the trees that are in California? The redwoods, the sequoia trees. trees. Those are the great big 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 ones. We didn't have any like that. Uh, Actually, the, the oldest living creature in the world lives in California. It is 5,000 years old they estimate, and it is a pine tree. Uh, they don't tell you exactly where it is because they don't want you to go up there and write Harry loves Susie or something like that in the, the tree because it's it's ancient. But this tree existed before the pyramids. It, it was growing before Stonehenge was was assembled. And if you think of them not as a resource, 
But if you think of them as a living being, a different kind of being, but a living thing in and of its own right, that becomes a, a wild, wild ride. And to think that this is a creature that God created to do lots of things. Trees are the reason that we breathe. They're, they are a beautiful part of what God's making and, and doing in the world. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when you talk about um, breathing. You know, one of the obviously main factors of us living is breathing, and we breathe in oxygen. And where that comes from is trees. And I think it's pretty symbolic to the tree of life that we're breathing in oxygen yeah. that gives us life to live. Yeah. And, and something that I took from that, Kristen and I had this conversation on the way over here is, you know, when God created us, he, he breathed into us the breath of life. Mm. And now the, the symbolism that I took from that is when we were with God, perhaps in Eden, we were breathing in the breath of life from God, mm. you know, and we were getting our life directly from the source. And so nowadays, you know, we're so inclined to the flesh or the worldly side of things. And it's so symbolic that we now get our breath from this earthly tree, right? Like we are of the earth. We are earthly. We are flesh-driven. We are sinful in nature. We get this from an earthly physical tree now. So I just thought that was an interesting fact that I guess we just have to blurt out real fast. Yeah. We think of trees as a resource to make stuff with. Mm -hmm. The, The Bible seems to have thought of them as characters in their own right. And other than human beings, they're referenced more than any other creature in the Bible. The Bible makes tremendous use of the imagery of trees. And I've been reading this book called Reforesting Faith, What Trees Teach Us About the Nature of God and His Love for Us. It's by a guy named uh, Matthew Sleeth. And uh, it was recommended on the Bible Project. And I was like, well, if it's good enough for Mm -hmm. Tim Mackey, it's good enough for me. I'm going to read that book. And I'm just loving it because it, it, it really lends itself towards this idea of if God made man to care for the world that he made, how can we not look at trees with a sense of enchantment and wonder and just a love of here is this, this thing that exists and sleeps through the winter and wakes with such beauty and elegance. And it also is a, a way of captivating the imagination the ancients saw these as living beings, not just uh, a resource. Mm-hmm. They were sources of strength and wealth. And sometimes they acted as living monuments. They would plant a tree and they would say, this tree is going to be the uh, the witness to, to what we're talking about. And it's funny that you mention it because on the way over here uh, from our house, I just was looking around and, and noticed how many trees that I could see because I knew we were going to be talking about trees tonight. And I just look and I'm like, you know what? I've driven this road gobs of times in my life, thousands of times probably. And I never realized that there's so many trees. Like I could just see hundreds of trees, if not thousands of them. And I just think, and I'm like, every single tree that I see is almost 10 times my height. Mm. You know, I'm almost six foot tall and there are 40, 50, 60 feet foot trees that we just blow right past. And it's like, if that was that's the size of a dinosaur or bigger than a dinosaur. Like if we viewed that as a living creature, that would be kind of scary. Even like these things are massive and huge and strong. And this is so how easy is it to use that as symbolism or to use that to, you know, convey certain items that we're trying to believe like they used to do. But here we are just driving right past these things. Like it's just a tree. 
I think the closest we probably get to thinking them as having personality is in the fall mm-hmm. when their leaves are the bright colors we tend to to slow down but let's be honest our lives move very fast we don't really think of trees as an individual thing we think of them as a a big blob of wood that's out there waiting to be harvested and turned into $20 bills uh we don't see them as a beauty in and of themselves or to view ourselves as having a uh an opportunity to be taught about God by the nature of these beings. And what we see in Scripture is that the ancients did not think of trees that way. Now, did they use them? Absolutely. Did they cut them down? Absolutely they did. They, they knew that this was something that could be used and should be used, but they infused trees with meaning. They are layers of meaning that is uh, given to them in Scripture. Uh, they were seen as far more than just a plant, they uh, instead were seen as a living link to the spiritual world, as images of metaphysical ideas and mysteries. And they became a way of speaking about other worlds, a way of talking about life and death, because trees seem to do their own thing. They move, and yet they don't. They sleep, and yet they don't. They're a type of life unlike ourselves, and the ancients recognized this. Here's this thing that started out as this little tiny seed, and now it's like it's a giant up there. And and they knew that th- this is something that I can learn from, that I can use as a way of describing uh, the power of the gods or of God. And the Bible definitely uses this same thing. As a matter of fact, God seems to have chosen to use them as a way of teaching us about himself and a way of teaching us about ourselves. So before you frame this discussion and you say, oh, man, I bet this guy voted for that guy, you know, he's just a tree hugger or that thing or the other thing, I don't care about any of that at this point. What I'm interested in is how does the Bible talk about them and how should that change the way that I'm viewing the world that I'm living in? Should I see it as magical? Should I see it as enchanted? Should I see it as populated with beings of wonder and majesty or should I just see it with dollar signs? And I think the Christian has to look at these things at times and just stop, be still, and know that he is God. You see, when you're talking in the Bible, when you're reading the text, the Bible is famous for not giving a lot of detail. We have no idea what Moses looked like. We don't. Did he shave his head? Don't know. Did he do the little Egyptian like eyeliner thing? I, I don't know. Was I he, really want him to. You know, now that you I mean, say I, that. I saw Charlton Heston. Yeah. in the uh in the 10 commandments and stuff but we're not told what he looked like we're not told what he wore we're not we're not told any of that stuff we we are left with a very basic idea but when the bible does give you detail you should not assume that it's just background knowledge it's put there for a reason so if the bible tells you they're going up a hill they're not trying to tell you how to get to that location They're trying to clue you in to what's happening in the story in the same way that if you were to watch a movie today, you can be led by the soundtrack. Oh, this is creepy sounding music. There's about to be a jump scare. Oh, this is romantic music and he's walking through the rain. You know, it's definitely going to be one of these moments. You're led by another thing into a deeper understanding. The music can tell you what's going on. The same way in the Bible, the imagery can tell you what's going on now something that kind of comes to my head when you're we're talking about these trees all the time and this that and the other and you know we're we're sitting in ohio right now 
we see a lot of trees. We see a lot of green grass and all this. But when I think of the biblical times, you know, there's a lot of times they're in Egypt or the Middle East. And what I think there is like desert and not a lot of trees. Oh, really? Well, that that just kind of is what sticks in my head. When when I see, you know, the pyramids of Egypt now, I don't see a bunch of leaves that they mm. have to blow out of the way because all of them just fell. So is there any like connection with the fact that maybe trees weren't as pronounced over there that oh, they are actually here? no uh, i mean obviously the trees weren't growing where there wasn't water mm-hmm. but trees did grow it was a sign of life a sign of, like if you were in the desert and you found like an oasis you would find trees right and they would see that oh this is a place where life is that there's water here and there's trees but that would be the exception to the desert most of it yeah, is just yeah but most of sand, the right? mo- no most of it's not sand this is kind this is the flannel graph doing you dirty again uh-huh. uh, most of israel was forest in the ancient time, there's a lot of forests uh, that are discussed and described in the Bible. And when when I was in Israel, honestly, I've never seen such beautiful farmland as I did in Israel. But I was expecting rocks and you know desert. I would think tribes, stone huts. You know, you know that that's kind, what I yeah, think. And, dry conditions. And what I saw would have made the farmers here in Ohio uber jealous. I mean, it was gorgeous. <laughs> it was green up in the Galilee. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. I was on the sermon, uh, I wasn't on the sermon, I was on the hill where Christ preached the Sermon on the Mount, and it's surrounded by almond trees and banana plants. I don't think of that as the background of Jesus' sermon before I did this. And so I'm there, and, and you know we're, we're driving through this like banana grove, and I'm like, what in the world is this? This is not what I thought I would be looking at. I expected you know herds of camels to be wandering off in the background. And instead, what I found was a beautiful place filled with life. And trees, uh, they show that this could not exist if this was not a blessed place, mm. a place where life is. And so the fact that the Bible makes constant mention of trees may be strange to the modern reader, but it definitely meant something to the ancient reader. They connected that with the abundance of God with the blessing hand of God. And we are used to people setting the scene of stories. And so we wrongfully assume that that's what the ancient authors were doing. And I don't think they had any intention of doing that at all. The authors don't mention the presence of trees to satisfy your curiosity about what it looked like. Mm. They mention them because they are an ancient motif. They link other parts of the stories into the story that you're reading. Trees become the focal point for the original story of mankind, for our presence in the garden, in the temple of the Garden of Eden, in the middle of it, it's marked by two trees. I've always kind of thought of them as arms of the throne, that this was the very heart of that temple, and one of them was the tree of life. The other was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Neither of them is a magical tree. They're trees. And one of them, God said, do not eat from this. That doesn't make that tree evil. It's not an evil tree, but it is a tree which is set apart. And God said, don't eat from this. And mankind chose to define right and wrong for themselves. They said, I will define what's right and wrong. I decide what's good and what's evil. I know what's good and evil. God, I'm going to reject your rule, and I'm going to follow my own ideas. And so 
When that happened, man rebelled against the rule of God, and we chose to eat from the forbidden tree. And so that tree gets a lot of airtime. Hmm. What did it look like? Doesn't say. What kind of tree was it? Doesn't say. Now, I'd, I'd like to circle back just a second, because you mentioned about the two trees and the fact that they weren't magical trees. So a thought that came across uh, Kristen and I's mind when we were on our way up here is if Eden was the place where the spiritual and the physical overlapped, mm-hmm. would would there potentially, or does this make any sense at all, that there was the same thing happening with the trees? There was a physical representation of the tree, but there was also a spiritual background to the tree or a spiritual portion of the tree yes. that was feeding Adam and Eve both physically and spiritually. Yes, and I think especially you see that with the tree of life. Uh, we're we're going to hit that in a moment. Uh, but the listen, you should have questions about these things. When you read the story, you shouldn't just see it as, oh, yeah, that tree's poison. You can definitely tell it's creepy because look how bent it is and twisted it is. And, you know, that that just seems like a bad idea. You wouldn't want to eat from that. But when you read the biblical story, it just says there's a tree. It doesn't give you any background at all. There's no creepy factor that's there. Those are things that we drag into the story ourselves. The tree of life, was it glowing? Was it an apple tree like so many people seem to think it was? When I was in Israel, everyone I talked to there thought it was a pomegranate. And I thought, no, no, it's definitely an apple. I've seen the paintings. You know, that's that can't be a pomegranate. But that's just a cultural difference. What kind of fruit was it? I, I don't know. It doesn't say. How can the Bible be so focused on painting me a picture and then leave off all the details? That's because that's not what it's doing. It's showing you that there are two ways to approach God. One of them is to approach him through your own way, and the other is to approach him through his grace, through his gift of presence. And one of them leads to life, and the other one leads to death. And the Bible uses this expression of a tree of life through the rest of the book. If you just leave the trees alone in the garden, you are missing a major theme throughout the text of Scripture. And something to help back that up is in Genesis 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye. She's talking about mm. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not this wicked, cro- crooked-looking, scrawny little yeah, Charlie Brown-looking look tree. Yeah, she the look of it, yeah. She realized that it looked the same or very similar to all the other trees in the garden. So, mm. like, it was good for food. So are you guys saying that there's... John, did you say earlier that there's no mystical background to these, this fruit, whatever it was? So you don't believe that the apple from the from the tree of life actually sustained Adam? Oh, I do. Okay, uh, and we're we're going to get into that in a minute. But what you get instead in most of your uh, over sensationalized versions of the story is that. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then suddenly they knew what bad was. I don't see that in the text at all. As a matter of fact, if that's the case, I have a real problem with the whole story then, because why would God tell them not to do something if they had no idea about what right and wrong were? Mm. How could they be held responsible for their actions? It's like leaving a loaded revolver in a room with a young child. And I don't see that as in character with God at all, and I don't see that in the story. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil may have had additional qualities, but its major function was to act as a testing point. Will you acknowledge that God's way is the rule, or will you try to set up your own rules in this temple? Now, we know that, for instance, later on in the Bible, when Aaron's sons would offer up strange fire 
in the tabernacle that God struck them dead, that they decided to disregard God's path and to insert their own ideas about what to do, that that had life-altering complications for them. Complications. It makes it sound like they had like a cavity. It killed them. Uh, that was you for know, you, Kristen. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, she's I a, like that reference. That's yeah. all right. She doesn't have a cavity, if you guys are out there. She works at a dentist mm-hmm. facility. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I think that to see this story as these trees are holy, and by that I mean they're set apart. They're not everyday trees. They're for special use. And the Bible takes that same idea of special places and they're oftentimes marked by trees. Uh, the Garden of Eden has this. In Abraham's story, he's either going to a tree or he's leaving a tree. But his whole story revolves around trees. You get David, and his, his life does the same thing. His son, Absalom, is even captured by trees. And he's killed in the forest, that, that the story that's, that's given there. You got Solomon in the temple. Pretty much just about every major character in the book of Genesis is connected to a tree, uh, with the exception of Joseph. And he is a tree uh, when you read the blessing that his father gives to him. This, this isn't accidental language. It's purposeful. And it's not something that we would do today. And so we like to ignore it and to say, well, that's just flowerful a flowerful, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's grow on trees. In case you don't know what I'm giggling about, I'm I'm very easily entertained. Uh, it, instead, what it's saying is this matters. This is on purpose. So when you're reading the Bible, look for the presence of trees, and ask yourself, why does the Holy Spirit want me to know that? Why does He care that there's a tree here? How does it carry me backwards to a previous story? Or does it teach me something about God's nature on my own? I think that to truly understand the way that the Bible talks about trees will require a change on our part. In English, we think of trees as a resource. We do not think of them as a living thing, to be the same thing uh, as, uh, as, as a... Let me, well, let me start that over. We, we see a tree... And that's a living thing. But something made out of a tree, we have a different word for that. We call that either wood or something like that. In, in Hebrew, you have one word, and it's the word eights. And whether you're talking about a tree or something made out of a tree, you use the same word. To us, we have a very distinct category. We have living trees and then dead ones, and we call those something else. But in Hebrew, if you're carrying a staff, for instance, that's a tree, that's eights. That's what it's made out of. And even though it's been felled, it now has a purpose. This is why when Jesus is crucified, later on they say, well, he was crucified on a tree. And you should read that and be like, that wasn't a tree, that was just lumber. Hmm. To the ancients, that was the same thing. Now, did they have specific words for specific trees? Yeah, yeah, they did. But the same, that was you moving your phone on yeah, the table. I don't want anyone to think you've got gas or something. <laughs> going on there. But the, uh, the imagery follows along with that word. The Messiah is crucified on a tree. So why, why okay, here's go me ahead, asking ahead. another impossible question because I just, that's, that's the only one I think have, of. We have Nick here. He, uh, he can explain all these So the, the idea of us utilizing different language 
to signify that it was a tree when it was alive, mm-hmm. and now it's wood or lumber or firewood or what a staff, a cross, any of these things. Is that spiritual warfare like we talked about in the past? Well, I think it can be. I, I think for us it has, and I think it's a result really of the age in which we live. Uh, we're very utilitarian. Mm-hmm. We want to know what's the point. We want to get right to the the form and the function of this. And the ancient peoples lived in the world. They, they lived on and in the land, whereas I think we just live in a particular place. So I'm I'm kind of stuck on this for the last several weeks and several months as far as the, the way that we communicate with each other is a, a way for the spiritual realm to influence us in a negative way. Oh, yeah. And another reason would be like this, like we're just talking about how we don't see this tree being an important detail because we pass right over them. And a big portion of it is we're sitting in a, a room that has wood all around it. But I wouldn't mm. say that that is a tree. I'd say that's a wall made right. of wood or because shiplap. Because in, in our culture, we have a very clear category mm-hmm. for something like that. The ancient Hebrews understood this in a much different way. If you had a bush, that's a tree. If you have a staff, that can be a tree. If you have a cross, that can be a tree. It's made from eights. It carries with it that same idea. And so if you want to connect the stories through that, remember we talked about like the soundtrack, that imagery Mm -hmm. can be there. So for instance, Abraham makes a peace treaty with Abimelech and he gives him seven lambs and then he plants a tree by a well. Why? Why didn't he get a stone and carve into the stone? This is Abraham, and I am friends with Mr. Abinowak. He plants a tree, and the tree was supposed to be a living testament to this covenant that he had made. And everyone who saw that tree or ate from that tree would have seen that this isn't just a dead thing carved in stone, but that this is a living thing. This, This friendship between these men is intended to go on. I'm still trying to process this uh, living tree because when I think of living tree, I think of like Lord of the Rings or something. I did get that movie correct, right? <laughs> no, I got that one right. You're the best, man. I love it. Uh, yeah, you definitely got the movie correct. And ants, you know, and, and people have always imagined trees as, I mean, all you got to do is spend the night in the woods by yourself. You know, you're like, this Bigfoot over there, it's coming after me. Whether it is or it isn't, doesn't matter. Sounds like it. And our imaginations, as far as walking trees go, comes into play. And and ancient spirits wanted to be worshipped among trees that's connected to these ideas of demonic beings, of the pagan gods. And the idea of a grove of trees is very connected to the world of the spirit, to the world of fairy. Uh, And to just assume that, no, no, it's just a group of uh, potential recycling products Mm. is to completely misunderstand the way that the ancients were talking. And to build off Nick with the living tree, I think with the the thought process I was going through earlier with the trees in the garden being, you know, both spiritual and physical, when you have a tree that is alive and growing and producing leaves and fruit, whatever, it's Mm -hmm. easy for us to say that's a living tree. Mm -hmm. We understand that. But when you cut it down and turn it into a staff, we change what it is to a staff or to lumber or whatever. Well, and in, but, in case that's your gut reaction, the Bible actually has a tool to combat that. But if you if you think of it differently as it being a living tree or having some kind of spiritual, mm-hmm. non-physical element to this tree, 
you can definitely see how easy it is to keep it the same word when it turns into a staff or mm-hmm. when it turns into this table that we're sitting around or whatever it is. Because if it if it has this physical property and this spiritual element to it, mm-hmm. whether you cut it down or not, it's the same idea like with us as humans. Mm-hmm. Like when we die and this body goes away, we still have a spirit that lives on in a different form. Same way that the tree gets cut down mm-hmm. or it dies it still lives on in a different form. It still has those properties and those mystical abilities uh, that the ancients believed it had, mm. just in a different form. And so I think that that's a big part of me is like viewing these trees as differently than just the wood that they're made of. You should view them as a living thing, even once they've been harvested. Yes. So for instance, let me give you an illustration. Aaron is the high priest of Israel, and there is a time where his... Uh, legitimacy is challenged, and so God causes his staff to bud, that it is a living thing, and they place it actually in in the ark, that this wasn't to be, in their mind, just a stick, but it was an extension of this motif, the tree of the prophets, the tree of God, the tree of life was symbolically present. Uh, when Israel crosses into the wilderness and they get to a place, I think it's called Mara, and the water is all bitter, and they're all upset with Moses. Couldn't you have picked a better destination? Now, this water is terrible. We can't drink this. And so what Moses does is he goes and he gets a chunk of wood, a big piece of tree, and he throws it into the water, and the water becomes sweet. To us, we think, I wonder what kind of wood that was. Yeah, I'd like some, some kind of chemical of reaction. Yeah, this is a miraculous event, and it's connected not to the natural qualities of the tree, but to the supernatural messaging behind the imagery. And so when you get into things like the occult or you're reading ancient stories about other religions and they're talking about trees, I don't think we should view those as just pretend, but to really view them as having been in... Uh, imbibed with purpose and meaning behind these things. Uh, A boat could be a tree. Uh, A gallows could be a tree. And when you're describing them, especially once you cross the bridge into poetic language, it's all game. This stuff all becomes part of the function. And human beings themselves are described as trees. Uh, We're encouraged to be like trees Kings and kingdoms are referred to as trees, and even demonic powers or the little g gods, uh, whether you know good guys or bad guys, are are called trees in the Bible. Yeah, I know. Like what Psalm ninety one describes trees, does it not? Yeah, yeah, it does. Describing humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Well, even the very first Psalm. Yeah. It, it says, you know, you got to be like a, a tree, tree planted yeah. by the waters. Yeah, man, it just makes total, it just changes the story of when you realize, like, I mean, I've read, how many times have I read that story of Aaron and his staff budding like that, but you just read over it, yeah. and you don't really stop to go, how'd that, how'd that happen? Like, mm. you, but when you think of it from how they do, that if just you, changes the story. Yeah, if you think of the temple or the tabernacle as Eden, and then right here we have a symbol of the tree of life it's growing yeah. inside of the tabernacle you have the the menorah yeah. the, which was a tree of light wasn't there like tree imagery even on like the temple doors and everywhere stuff like that? Yeah. oh yeah and actually mm-hmm. as you walked into the temple you had two pillars that were designed like trees 
At some point, I believe, I think it may have been the last time I was on, and we talked about temples. Now, it wasn't just physical temples. I mean, you talked about people believed that being outside under a tree was a temple. That's right. Right? I mean, so you could go with that whole idea that it, it was worshipped as such holiness because of it being a tree. Yes. To the point that it was a temple. That's right. And when you're talking about us being viewed as the trees or talked about as a tree, the only thing that makes sense in my feeble brain is to just be strong like a tree or to you know grow tall like a tree and, and this, that, and the other. So it's like oh. all I can think of is these physical attributes of a tree. You know, a tree is sturdy. A tree is – you want a tree because you can make something good out of it. Yeah. Right? And so that's what I'm – that's the only thing I can think of when I, I want to be like a tree. And so that just doesn't make sense when God is talking to us about being a tree or describing us as trees, there has to be something, in my mind, there has to be something deeper than just like grow tall. Because if if so, I'm in trouble. Well, some I, trees don't any grow tall, and some trees aren't sturdy. Mm-hmm. Some trees are simply beautiful. Well, I missed or, the boat on that one, or too. Or flowers. <laughs> like, But again, Keep it's going. because our culture is utilitarian. Right. What can I do with this tree? Yeah. Is that a good telephone pole or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, the Bible... Uh, talks almost right away about human beings as being trees. Uh, the Bible uses references to so-and-so was cut off. Well, that's that's pruning language. We, we understand what that means. Anyone who was living back then had to have cut a tree at some point. It was part of, part of life. And so when somebody was cut off, they knew exactly what that meant. You're not part of the tree anymore. And so you're, you're either dead or you're, you're cast out. When the Bible talks about babies or the next generation, it uses the expression of seed, like a plant, like a tree. It means descendants. The Bible talks about out of the root of Jesse uh, or, or images like that. The branch will come. Uh, we find that women who couldn't have children uh, are called barren. And if you actually look at that Hebrew word, it means uprooted. And so a woman who couldn't have children was, was said to be an uprooted tree. God was viewing humans as walking trees in the garden, caring for everything else that was there. There was a holiness, a specialness about what we were called to do. And if you're thinking I'm going to explain this, all, this is going to take at least two episodes to unpack all of this stuff. So if you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know about any of that. I want an example of what you're talking about. Let me give you one. Let's go to Psalm 92. Nick mentioned the psalm just before this one. Here's, here's one that, that I wanted to look at. This is so Nick and I are on the same page here. Uh, psalm 92, this is verses 12 through 14. Kristen, do you mind reading that? Oh, sure. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord and flourish in the courts of our God. Now let me ask you, where is the house of the Lord? Didn't we already go over this one? Yeah, I'm just checking, making sure you guys understand. <laughs> I really wanted what to just saying. say temple. That's what it for, is. Okay. Yeah, it's the okay. temple. So I don't think of the temple as a place where palm trees are growing. I think of it as a great big utilitarian space. Like aesthetics, mm-hmm. I don't have any time for that. We want a plain, simple, you know, let's, let's, there's no need for this, bells and whistles. It was built like a garden. He says, listen, this is a place for palm trees and a place for cedar trees. This is a place, you are like the trees of the courtyard of God. They're planted 
in the house of the Lord? Do we think of ourselves as having been planted by God in our churches? Do you see yourself not just as someone who sits under the teaching of your pastor, but as part of the the garden of God that's growing in that community, not to be a threat to each other, but I don't view myself as the boss of people, but as part of the people. And, and it can be really harsh when people come at you and they don't see themselves as working with you, but rather, you know, they're saying, listen, if you don't do what I want, there's other places and I'll go over there. And there's this threatening element that's that's there. And I think instead what God is trying to say is instead we ought to be like a tree and trees are, are, are quite wonderfully peaceful things to be around. Mm. Some people are not peaceful to be around. And the Bible makes a great deal about this. He tells us, blessed are those who make peace. The peacemakers are given an especial place. And this concept of being an, a beauty, to give shade, to give food, to give delight, I think uh, anyone who lives around palm trees can understand this. We live in Ohio. We have a severe we, we dream lack about palm, palm trees. of palm trees. But it's interesting because the terminology is still around in church. Like we plant churches, right? Or, or people try to go out and plant a new church. Mm-hmm. And, and so that makes it's total a sense to us. tree image. But the, the idea of planting yourself into a church mm-hmm. is kind of a foreign idea to It's because us. we're consumer-based. Mm-hmm. We're shopping. Back to that utilitarian idea mm-hmm. of what can this tree do for me. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't shop around, find a good place and, and fit in, mm-hmm. uh, but don't have one foot out the door. Like, enjoy where you're at. Yeah. Like, really get into it. Really love the people that are around you and become part of that community. But again, it it goes back to the idea that I had earlier with the fact of, like, a tree to me is designed to be a telephone pole or a yeah. chair. This or, is potential building but not only that, it's like a tree could also mean like a, a bush, like a rose bush even maybe perhaps, uh-huh. or a lilac tree. Yeah, anything tree. that's made out of like a wood. So even like a grapevine, if you've ever like picked up a or been in a vineyard, like a grapevine is a tree in the, in the biblical sense, but it's it's not sturdy at all. And that's the whole part that I'm trying to wrap my head around is like I've never sat on a chair made out of lilac tree. You know, it's made out of oak or something strong, hardwood mm-hmm. floors and all this, that and the other. It's like, it's hard for me to envision trees as more than just this rough and tough, rugged material that we can make something strong out of. Mm. But there's trees all over our churches and all over this world that have different, you know, Functions utilities. And, yeah. and I think, I hope, you know, as people are celebrating Christmas, you're at least aware that there is a tradition of bringing trees into the home. Uh, mm, some, some people see that as just a pagan concept, but in my mind, the presence of trees, uh, my God invented trees. They're his idea. The smell of a forest or of pine in particular is gorgeous. The evergreen notes that are there, uh, and I'm, we're probably going to lose all the people out here who are like, really, like, you pagan, you know, whatever. I'm, And so if that's you, just please be kind. I, I, I don't think that way, and I think there's a beauty to it. Uh, look at verse 14. Yeah, I I definitely wanted to hit on this because I didn't want to skip over it and I was afraid we were going to. But verse 14, they say, this is how it goes. They still bear fruit in old age and they are ever full of sap and green. And I think that's so beautiful because no matter where we are taken in life, we are full of sap and green. We are forever fruitful. No matter what age or where we go, what experiences we have, we are still fruitful 
I know, you know, in our age that as we get older, we think, ah, yeah. I'm done. You know, I've done enough. Oh, I've learned blooms. enough. Yeah. Never, never. But I, yeah, I just thought that was kind of beautiful that you still bear fruit. Mm. It mm. just looks a little different. It's more pretty stuff. I, I'm here for the the utility, for the ruggedness, John. I don't want all this. Well, and I think that's why we'll continue to stuff. do the uh, the the hijacked episodes, mm-hmm. the rambling between the trees, because when, when you're when you're with me, I, I'm going to point these things out, yeah. and my heart is going to run to them because I want to sit in the presence of these ideas. And I think just like a cup of tea, if you put a tea bag into a cup, the mere presence of the tea begins to change the water. It brings on a, te- a, a taste, not because the water is doing anything, but simply because it's in the presence of the tea. And I think the scriptures work like that on me. I don't necessarily think, like, what should I do with this fact that people are trees? I think you should think about it. And I think you should meditate on it. And I think the knowledge of these things will begin to sweeten and soften your life and change the way that you approach these things. And Jesus told us to do this kind of thing. He said, are you worried? Go bird watching. Hmm. Go look at the lilies. That's a really unproductive thing to do. There's a lily. I'm looking at it. I'm ready for it to now talk to me. It won't. It's just he's simply saying, be at peace. I'm the maker. And take time to be in the presence of these things. Yeah, in our in our rambling between the trees episode, this is this is going to be a good one because yeah. I got like fifteen sermons <laughs> in my head to give my congregation now. Yeah, yeah, all right. And just that uh, the whole idea though again goes back to my my thought process too. Like there is two measuring sticks I think that are used throughout society: the one that we use as human beings, mm-hmm. and the one that God uses. When you mention that Jesus says, "Go look at the lilies," and then the very next words that you said is, "That's not a very productive thing to do." If Jesus says, go do something, don't you think it's the most productive thing that we could be doing, right? Mm-hmm. But that, oh, yeah. That's the two measuring sticks that we see is like, man, I'm going to go waste an hour. I could have done this. I could have rebuilt this. I could have fixed this. I could have been with this or whatever. But Jesus tells us to go do something that we view as completely unproductive. Mm. And yet it is the, the sole thing that's going to build up our spirit or our soul or enrich our thought process to be more in tune with, with God or the spiritual nature of nature, right. if you will. And so why do we have these two, these two measuring items? And I know why. I understand why. There's a lot of spiritual warfare. There's a lot of things that go into two separating trees. us from God, mm-hmm. right, if you will. But I think if we focus more on how does God measure what we do with our time, we see a lot of these things that Jesus are saying is not a a thing that goes against the status quo, but something that is the status quo, something that should be looked at. And part of my hope here is to enable people to understand when God is talking that way and to clue you in so that you can be part of that conversation. The Bible isn't just being frilly with its language or poetic. It's saying very real things, and it's expecting you to meditate on these things. And we don't meditate. So, we don't think about it. So, John, we're, I, see, I see all throughout Scripture that we have this uh, back and forth of, I mean, right now, John 15 is in my mind. Mm. Like, man, there's tree imagery all over that with the vine and all that. But can, we, can you go back to the tree of life in the garden and just is there some some more on just what specifically that tree of life is let's break here and dedicate the entire next episode to that because it really isn't fast what i hope you got out of today's episode is that the bible is big on trees Mm 
and it uses them as a metaphor as well as a literal thing. In the Garden of Eden, there is a literal tree that is also a metaphor. It exists in both worlds. And we can get into that, but Nick, I don't want to just tag it on here because I know it will take me at least 20 minutes and it just it isn't going to work here. So I'd like to thank you guys. Anyone have any final thoughts before we sign off? No, I'm, I'm excited for next episode. I, I am really getting into this, you know, spiritual backing behind the trees. You can be back next week, Kristen? Sure. Okay, you heard it. She's willing to come back. I and think I, yeah, just signed my father-in-law up to uh, watch our son. Babysitting but, duty, yeah. Ah, yeah. Good. good job. Let's give a shout out to Dan Listener. Dan the man, great job, my friend. 